will get a chance to watch it. It is a free conference call. So I think, David, I'm going to have you put the recording on. And I'm going to welcome everyone. I am Dr. Joel Kreisberg. This is Teleosis Institute. And uh, this is the first of our monthly community calls. It's called Vital Conversations. And I'm very pleased to welcome Meg Jordan, who I've known for a while, is a friend of mine. And I'm going to do a little intro of, of Meg and then and have her tell us a little about herself. But Meg, I know from as the department chair and professor at Integrative Health of Integrative Health Studies at CIIS, which we should say, California. Institute for Integral Studies. Integral Studies. California Institute for Integral Studies. And they offer a master's degree in integrative health studies, but you're also, I think, working in the somatics program as well as part of you. Or you're well, yeah, I'm an administrative chair of three programs there, which wow. is the somatic psychology and the new doctorate in human sexuality. We call it the body shop. The body shop. Wow. So that's three. So you're a busy person. But on top of that, you've had a long, wonderful career uh, as a journalist, as a, 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 a person who's been involved with the National Wellness Institute. I believe you're on the board there. On the board, co-president, yeah. Co-president. And so, and you have a doctorate and an RN, and also you're a certified wellness professional. So you are a person who wears many hats, and you've also been very comfortable chatting and talking and teaching. Uh, the one thing I really just want to, the last piece is when you go to your website, which is megjordan.com, I love the opening line. Uh, if you're confused about what type of integrative health therapy to choose, you've come to the right website. <laughs> Over 50 different kinds of healing methods available today. People wonder if they should try herbs instead of Drugs for migraines, acupuncture instead of IVF for fertility or chiropractic for surgery. And then your basic answer is there's no one right way. No one right way. Yeah. You know, and most people with the chronic disease ailments that they have today, they investigate many paths, many options. And really is sometimes it's tough navigating all those corridors alone. It helps to have a colleague, a coach, an advocate with you. Well, no, I, I realize, I mean, it's a wonderful, you know, it's a great, great perspective. And we need to hear more about that because I think the, the consumers, most people are confused. So, well, just to, so to, Meg, welcome and thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. It's really great to be <laughs> well. Here, I love this topic, and I love the way you go after it, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're going to, you know, know, that there's a growing I stepped on you. It seemed like there was a little delay in audio there, but I just want to say that there's such a growing interest in this uh, the consortium. We're getting many calls a day asking about what's happening with health coaching. So it's a vital topic. Thank you. Right. Well, you know, that's, that's, you know, that is kind of why I asked you to be on this call first. I mean, you have a long, wonderful career, um, and I want to cover some pieces of the career, but I think what we're pointing at is this idea of, of the vitality of health coaching and the, and the, and the, the newly emerging national certification that you've been intimately involved with so but let can we go back a little bit just because it just kind of can't resist I mean global medicine hunters <laughs> you know, just tell us just tell us at least just a, a good nut of about the global medicine hunter well my doctorate is medical anthropology which is if anthropology is the uh, the study of the interaction of culture and humanity, then medical anthropology is the study and interaction of how we define health and illness from each of the various parts of the globe. And that's impact on humanity. 
And uh, as a result, I got to study, you know, shamanism in South America and traditional Asian healing arts in Beijing and Shanghai and in Japan and also um, got to really look at kind of Native American roots and healing and curandisma in uh, Mexico. And so I would find that there were so many different paths to healing and so many different paradigms and epistemologies of understanding how illness affects the body and where recovery comes from on a deeply physical, energetic, spiritual realm as well. Mm -hmm. um, I got that name Medicine Hunter in... Um, in Nepal, when I was looking at, um, I was working with somebody who had a bamboo stick sticking out of their leg. And as a nurse with some, just a small kit of emergency supplies with me, um, I realized that if anything, Western medicine, allopathic medicine has really excelled in emergency and crisis care. Right, yeah. But when I put took my rubber-soled shoes off and I put them on this, little lady in Nepal who's been barefoot all her life and who can climb a mountainside like a mountain goat, she just felt that the rubber insulated shoe had completely cut her off from any energy emanating from the earth that sustained her. Mm. And she took them off, kind of mm. calling them energy vampires to, in her own colloquial. Mm. And, um, and at that point, it became so apparent to me that I don't even have the first inkling of understanding of energy. Mm. how it's perceived around the world yeah. and um and a lot of my pursuits in looking at bringing together teams of different disciplines of healers um was really based on what she taught me in that moment mm. so it was uh it was one of those just ahas from travel and mm. insight and broadened perspectives you know yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so and then because you also were a journalist or still are a journalist in a way, but you had a career as a journalist. So that yeah, your journey. Yes, first degree was journalism and then nursing and then medical anthropology. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. So just that and anthropology and journalism has some overlay, you know, the landing on a distant shore, asking a lot of questions, being putting your nose in other people's business and, right, right, right. and trying to conceive some kind of uh, written history out of it. Right. So that they were they were fairly joined. And tell a story. And and like to tell a story, which is, yeah. which is, is lovely because that's very important to us. Stories, and particularly stories of healing. So I bet you you bumped into many stories of healing, and so that ended up taking you to to CIIS, and which was a it seems like it's a wonderful fit. It was a good fit. I was teaching over at San Francisco State first. They have a nice. Um, a minor in holistic health studies in their health ed department. And um, from there, I think um, the program at CIS was like a lot of programs at CIS, CIS. It had sort of a philosophical basis to it, Joel. And and I saw a master's really today, as the economy shifted, it really needed to be a career-oriented degree. People mm -hmm. needed to land on their feet and pay their exorbitant student loans. Mm -hmm. And that I just took on as a deepening responsibility. So I saw where, where is a niche for a non-clinical health personnel? Mm -hmm. And I've worked in hospitals. I've been a hospital trustee. I've run cardiac rehab and ICUs and CCUs. And I saw that the crux of the matter is still a behavior change expert mm -hmm. for the seven out of 10 hospitalizations that we have today, mm -hmm. all lifestyle choice based, mm -hmm. a lot of them. And so where are the people that really help you change health habits? Mm -hmm. And that's thing you know, this is what we need is a master's level health coach, really. Um, right. This is how we can kind of resurrect what was an ailing master's degree at the time and right. build it up. 
Right. So there. So the students in the program. I mean, they're studying integrative health, but they're also being trained as as coaches, as health coaches. Yes, they have a, a certificate embedded within there, and they have to take the two course coach sequence and get the two hundred hour internship and attend the coaching clinics, and um, and learn case reports and case studies and evidence based methodologies for coaching, and then all of the healthy lifestyle information that goes with it: exercise physiology and nutrition and stress management, and um, that just keeps expanding. Now, neurobiology, <laughs> interpersonal neurobiology. Right. You know, you've been a university professor yourself. You've yeah. helped look at programs, run programs, and you know that it's a lifelong learning task. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, I mean, you know, being a lifelong learner is what's attracting about coaching and uh, health coaching. Right. You know, that's, that's partly why we're here. So and, and then along the way, you also. And so when did the National Wellness Institute come into this? Because somewhere you went from USA, UC, you know, San Francisco State, CIS, National Wellness Institute is in here, too. Well, it, I've been going to that for about 20 years. It's in Stevens Point. I just moved it to Minneapolis with my colleagues. And that's been around since 1977, this National Wellness Institute. And it has always been sort of a summer camp for health promotion professionals, a place to go and be personally rejuvenated and get some professional advancement too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a conference with drumming circles and keynotes from Robert Kennedy on the health of our rivers. And so it's always been this beautiful blend in summer and we, we're keeping it that way too. There's a board of directors i'm a co-president we made it a shared position these last two years mm -hmm. and it was formed to really have a mission of providing health and wellness professionals with a, a, a real association that works on their behalf mm -hmm. and um well, it's accomplished by lots of continuing ed and certifications and things like worksite wellness promotion um certified wellness professional it's also and this would be interest for your your um listeners too it's the largest gathering every summer of health coaches in the country. There must be 300 of them, uh, 400 of them. And it's rare to get that many all in one room. Interesting. And they gather, they've had training from private training firms, from community colleges, from the nurse coaches, from university programs, from my program. And they gather and they say, where are we working? And what are our tasks? And how do you do your job? And how do I do mine? Because it is such a new field, really. Uh, they need to rub elbows and and figure it out together. Interesting. So do you, do, is this it's so because you, you said they're mostly coaches. I mean, they don't have to be coaches at the National Wellness Institute, but there's a lot of coaches there. Right? Yeah, no, there's about five thousand members, but there's a wow. the growing proportion yeah. in that membership are the health coaches. Interesting. And there's a lot of wellness managers at right. you know the major companies, Safeway and this and that. And they come there for the, the advanced certifications in. How do I truly design and implement a wellness program for my 30,000 employees at McKesson, for instance? Right, right. So that's where they get further training for that. Right. And that is, that is really a moving target. Um, the RAND report came out a few years ago that said, we have to stop promising CEOs actual return on investment for every dollar of a wellness program that they invest in their employee. Mm -hmm. We can't really say they're going to get three dollars return in productivity and performance, you know. So they started to question some of the science. Yeah. Methodology is all over the place to study what is the benefit of wellness within a corporation. Mm -hmm. We need more studies, but we know for one thing, people are happier and more engaged. So it affects the culture more than anything. 
quality. quality. Wow. Interesting. But so, but so the National Wellness Institute, though, is in a way predates the health coaching kind of, you know, yes. the, 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 the modern, the, the more recent version of it. Of, I guess, are there, I mean, when does health coaching sort of emerge as a, as a field? Well, it's funny because I, you talk to the old time listens to like Jack Travis, John Travis, who wrote, right, who, yes. you know, John, and yeah. some of the early players, they say, coaching, coaching, that's the word du jour. We were always doing coaching. I said, no, you weren't. You were lecturing people and you right. were educating and you were doing a download from your massive brain into there. <laughs> yeah. um, coaching is an art and science that's different from that. So it's, uh, I'd say, Coaching has really just taken off in the last maybe 10 to 15 years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when the, the institute's about 45 years old. Right. So it's interesting. So it found a nice fit. It's a, it's a good fit for the health coaches, the National Wellness Institute. It makes yeah, it, is. it really isn't. I mean, there's not really a, a well, you know, a health and wellness coaching sort of conference or center, you know, in the U.S. I mean, there's and even coaching itself, you know, executive coaching, life coaching doesn't really have kind of a core center. I mean, there's the, the International Coaching Federation, but that's international. Mm -hmm. It's business and life and executive coaching oriented. Yeah. I think the, the formation of the consortium just five years ago was, was the one that was trying to fill this niche for how do we really address um, professionalization of the health coaching field, provide a national certification, and provide someday an association for folks. Right. So let's just let's name that because so, not everyone may know that. It's the National Consortium for Credentialing Health and Wellness Coaches. It's got a nccwc.org is the website, and that's what you're talking about. And so, so you just you know, how did that? I mean, how did that emerge? I mean, what was the, what's its kind of yeah? <laughs> very interesting. Uh, I'm going to call it the consortium because it's just yeah. too many damn initials. Nccwc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh, folks, Margaret Moore and Karen Lawson, actually talked at a conference about six, seven years ago saying, does it drive you nuts that just about anybody out there can call themselves a health coach? Mm -hmm. That there just doesn't seem to be any standard to this? That you can, um, you don't even need to download a book and read it. You, you can hang out your shingle and call yourself a health coach. So they kind of circulated that around a few health conferences, medical conferences, and then that means we got together in about 2010, had a huge summit. Almost 75 stakeholder organizations were invited. We had a grant from Integrative Healthcare, and we gathered in Minneapolis, and it was pretty amazing. We had, um, oh, folks from um, American Nursing Association, Holistic Nursing, YMCA, the Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic. Both hospitals and clinics and associations, International Coach Federation was there. Mm -hmm. All the, the three or four schools, there weren't many at the time. There was Duke and there was CIS and Minnesota. Um, there was um, Linda Bark, who you know, a colleague. Yeah. Um, she was there, Real Balance, Michael Arlosky, who calls himself the first and original wellness coach in the country. He's a psychologist out of Fort Collins. His company's called Real Balance. Mm -hmm. So there we were, about 75 people representing large groups. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, what a, what a slugfest to get to an, an actual definition of what a health and wellness coach is mm -hmm. and to get some kind of consensus over should there be a national standards, a national certification. Mm 
-hmm. It took a couple of years to get to yes on that alone mm -hmm. because people said, health coach, that should be the licensed professional. The mm -hmm. RN, the MD, the DC, right. people who are licensed, they get to call themselves a health coach. And then over here should be the lay people, the fitness trainer, the yoga instructor, those who have a passion for health and fitness, but they don't have the credentialed knowledge. Mm -hmm. oh, waking somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, there was a lot of debate over a lot of topics like this, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there's debates, but it did gel. I mean, it it's come together, you know. And so I mean, I'm actually I have the site up there. I just I actually like the first sentence is so clear. I'm going to read it. Health and wellness coaches partner with clients seeking self-directed, lasting changes aligned with their values, which promote health. And wellness, and thereby enhance well-being. So, I like that the definition too. It took a few years to work that out. I bet. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it, really, it, it it pulls you. I mean, it's uh, in the in the in, uh, we even have a little bit of um, oh gosh, early Carl Rogers in there. They display unconditional positive regard mm -hmm. um, for their clients. They believe in the client's capacity for change. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit of gestalt of the the understanding of dynamics and flow from Fritz, Fritz Perls and, mm -hmm. and understanding that each client is an expert in his or her life, mm -hmm. being able to evoke from within. So all those good sound coaching principles that appeal mm -hmm. to you, Joel, they appeal to me after our many decades of kind of being health educators mm -hmm. when you, and I see that you've got your AAC from um, ICF as well, your, your credential too. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really, it was like the phone rang inside. It was like, oh, finally, you know, yeah. something that has that respectful dialogue with people. Right. And, and so when we came together with the National Consortium, um, of this executive board, there's always, you know, out of 75 groups, there's always eight or 10 that kind of rise up and are the worker groups. Right? So the worker groups got together, became the executive board. And then we really went through a best practice of saying, look, how do you actually professionalize a field? Well, you do a DACOM process called um, job task analysis, mm -hmm. where you take just the working coaches out there, mm -hmm. actual working health coaches, and you invite about a dozen of them, I think it wound up being 16, to hole up for three days mm -hmm. with a facilitator. Mm -hmm. And they have to not leave that room till they figure out what are the essential tasks that a health coach would do in the normal course of a week or a relationship, a coaching alliance. Mm -hmm. And they came up with 21 tasks that they all voted on, they all agreed on. Mm -hmm. Second step after that is that you send that task list out, and we send it out to about 4,000 working health coaches. Mm -hmm. That's called validation of the survey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it came back as, yes, we agree with these tasks, and they are important. They say at the rate, what was the frequency of doing them, and what was the importance? Right. And then from there, you map out step three, which are, what's the knowledge and skills you need in order to do those tasks? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and that takes a little more work. That took a few more years. Um, and then it all got published in, um, uh, this is a really fine journal, Global Advances. Global Advances, yeah. Yeah. The Global Advances, Advances issue, yes. Yeah. It's a wonderful issue, yeah. Good issue, and, and it's all published. It's on the website as well, so people can read what our thinking went into 
what kind of faculty credentials needed? How many hours do you need of training? Right. What kind of live training assessment should they be? So the really the credible programs, the reputable programs now have this sort of live assessment of practical skills training. Because you and I both know that the real rubber that hits the road in coaching is the powerful coaching dialogue, the conversation. Mm -hmm. And if that's never assessed or, or witnessed or heard, um, I, don't, I don't see how somebody can really feel competent about their skills as a coach. Right. Yeah. No, it's important. Uh, yeah. I mean, actually, that's the course that I teach at my university. It is that supervising the actual dialogues. I mean, to listen to the recording and actually even do actually use this technology to actually have the students do coaching. Oh, to do so 15 minute live, uh, you know, demonstration. Live demonstration. Are they preaching? Are they consulting? Are they educating? Did they warn the client that they're doing that? Are they slipping back into a coaching dialogue um, with permission? You know, there's ways that you can divert from it for a second, but you got to get back on track with the coaching. Yeah. Yeah. So the consortium is being, it sounds like it's kind of in its, you know, it's about, it's in the process of certifying actual programs, I think is what stage it's in right now or transition yeah. programs. So it would, well, the item writing for an actual exam um, goes on for the next year. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing we're doing is, is having people submit, how have I addressed these 21 tasks in my educational training program? Mm -hmm. And how am I doing a practical assessment and test of live coaching? And they submit that form to the, um, to the consortium, and we're reviewing, oh, I think about six, nine, maybe 12 schools in, uh, have already submitted their application. Right. You know what's happening is a lot of community colleges are considering adding an associate's degree on health coaching. It's very sweet. When you hear from a community college in southern Arizona or New Mexico that deals with um, indigenous populations, with all sorts of underserved community and they want to graduate a grassroots associate degree health worker that's also got coaching skills. Mm. I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant because these have, you know, this is where the inordinate health disparities are really mounting mm. and, um, and, and behavior change and cultural support is a, is a foremost. Mm -hmm. so. Actually, now, you're, now you're hearing my dogs are all scratching in the background. So we have... <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm going. laughs> Um, no, so so the schools are going through their how their material. What, what I just I think I heard you say is that the schools are having to sort of show how their you know their their programs are reflecting the the task analysis and the, you know meeting these requirements on the way to you know being it's a, it's a transitional uh, approval basically or it's approval for courses in this transition period for the consortium basically in That's some exactly way exactly yeah you are such a good interview you help things stay on track because yeah. I will get the version <laughs> on you all the every chance I get so you're right this transition application mm -hmm. is ongoing now we hope to get the first names up there by October one but I think we're giving people another month or so to get mm -hmm. their applications in. Mm -hmm. It just provides a one-year window that there, if you've been a graduate of any of these transition-approved programs, you can sit for the exam. The exam, right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, a year from now, we'll do 
park aside this kind of grandfathering phase of transition application and we'll have the full accreditation of programs. That's a little more rigorous. That means coming in, visiting you, saying, Joel, how do you set this up? How are you listening? How are you giving audio feedback? Sounds great. What are you teaching in terms of this? Accreditation of programs is heftier. It takes a little longer. That won't start for another year and a half probably. We're also looking for... um, uh, item writers. Wow. You need 12 working coaches to submit hundreds and hundreds of test items mm-hmm. um, that go through a review process. So out of a bank of maybe 500 questions, only 150 are acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then you need a couple different tests twice a year. You have mm-hmm. to circulate new questions in there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the theoretical test. We're mm-hmm. going to count on the approved schools of doing the practical assessment interesting okay. yeah we yeah. can't do that that's yeah. it'd be too hard and we like the different flavors of the different schools so, you know minnesota's program is very holistic and integrative yeah. um somebody else's real balance is very corporate oriented right. barks is um has a beautiful kind of nurse coach holism to it yeah. and yours has yeah. joel kreisberg Mm-hmm. you know, signature, trademark, integrative, holistic as well. So we love the different flavors out there. We don't want one standardized kind of school. And and you get as a consumer to choose then, you know, what works for you? Where are your needs and interests? Where are your passions? However, then there's these 21 tasks that you're going to be tested on so yeah. that the foundation, the basic minimum competency is met. And then finally, maybe the public will be less confused about what the heck a health coach is. That's the end result. In time. I hope that's true. Yes, that's the, that's the plan. But you also, what I hear is you also have to build the infrastructure to be able to manage all that as an organization, right? So, I mean, it's a consortium, you know, and at the same time, it becomes an actual, you know, accrediting body. Yes, and it's, it's been it's five years of volunteer right. effort of yeah. 10 hours a week for five years. Yeah. Effort. We've raised maybe $30,000. We're bare bones Amazing. enough to get us together for one retreat. Once, once people take an exam, national exams are costly. You know, they're three to four hundred dollars, yeah. and there's a little bit of revenue to continually advance um, dissemination of the standards. Uh, continued, maybe even some efforts in Washington D.C. to say, can we get healthcare health coaches reimbursed? Right. After all, it's an important part of the American healthcare landscape. Thousands of health coaches work within hospitals and clinics. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually where that's like, yeah, that's the next question. Let me just finish up with this particular piece. So then, you know, so basically the schools get approved and then eventually you're saying, you know, our students are going to sit for these exams, essentially, yes. right? That's right. They'll be eligible to sit for the exam because they graduated from an approved school. Right. And if they um, say like they say, they can petition the consortium, they say, the heck with your approved schools. I have been a health coach for 30 years. I've been doing this. I have numerous seminars and workshops under my belt. I have this and that. You know, they can put together a portfolio because that's that's respected with any profession and, and show where you've worked and how you've worked. And here are my letters and everything else. And that I petition to sit for the exam. I deserve it. Mm-hmm. If they fail the exam, we say, maybe you need to update some of your coaching methodology, coaching psychology. Here are some coach mentors, a list of them that are independent from the consortium. They charge on their own. Mm -hmm. It's a free market for them. 
-hmm. you might want to spend some time with these mentor coaches to upgrade your skills. That'll happen too, I think. In in discussion with that now. Because whenever you launch a national certification, you're always going to get the question of, who the heck are you guys to tell me that you're qualifying me when I've been out working longer before you? And it reminds me that when we were in accreditation stuff with WASC, we heard that Harvard is not an accredited university. Right. It's not any part of the regional accreditation because it was the first university in the U.S. and they have always said, who are you to accredit us? Right. <laughs> and, so, and so you will get some of that pushback. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, no, and not everybody's going to want to, you know, participate or be in that process. But still, the still center of gravity is one of certification because the value of certification is in the marketplace. So in a way, it it, it supports a professional identity. It supports professional standards. And it also helps the consumer. It does. And it also helps you do research. If you have a standardized definition, then you can compare apples to apples in research. Right. If you've got 20 different definitions of a health coach, the research is, is on not on unstable ground. And I think that you're right. This is not a state mandatory license thing. This is an optional certification to go for. Right. Completely right. optional. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but so then now it's, it's easy for us to move forward into the marketplace because the, it seems to me, and there's a wonderful article in that same Global Advances about the opportunities for health and wellness coaching in the American healthcare system. Ah, well. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. well, that the chronic disease rate we've got in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. I have to give a talk at CDC next spring, and I'm looking at – just getting some of the latest figures on chronic disease. It's just, it's unbelievable. And then at the same time, you get this wonderful body of research emerging about things like high optimism levels are correlated with um, twice the odds for an ideal cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that pinpoint um, mindset, emotional health, and yes spirit and belonging and relationships, things that um, a coach could actually help you assess in your life. And that alone could really help stem the tide of some of this uh, onslaught of chronic disease and some of the really horrendous costs and loss that even American business faces. Exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, from a, so, of course, from a disease perspective, from a population perspective, there's a huge need for health coaching. Absolutely. I mean, that's the first point that you're making. And then there's this whole piece about the healthcare delivery system is, you know, the professionals are so burdened, the Mm -hmm. docs and the nurses. So there's also a way in which the the colleagues need the health coaches to to work with them as well. Well, it drives me nuts. You know, I've had... I had a really horrible year of stress last year, and I had some new GERD, esophageal reflux disease, and, and I knew I had to change lifestyle. And I looked at, I had a Kaiser appointment, and my Kaiser doc immediately went to, let me write you a script for that. Right. And I said, gosh, you know, I could, let me do a few other things, like don't eat late at night, get rid of the foods that bother me, lose five pounds. Yeah. The GERD is gone. But I just thought, Look at that poor Kaiser doc. She probably knew better, but she had 30 seconds with me. Exactly. You have this, yeah. Yeah, this prescription pad, right? And everything that, you know, I don't want to take a prescription pill that's going to draw the calcium out of my bones so that it can buffer acid in my stomach that's there because of my own lousy lifestyle. It's all backwards. And that's the kind of um, 
right. faltering our infrastructure we're seeing right now. Right. Yeah, so the burden on physicians is so great to deliver this sort of disease care that there's not much room for health and wellness care. And for, you know, for so actually the, the model that I'm seeing is a, is a colleague, an integrated physician who actually is, is having a health coach in the office with him for the initial visit. And then he schedules the second and third visit with the coach. Beautiful. And so he sees the client, the, the patient, the client every four visits, essentially. And the coach sees in between because it's so much diet and lifestyle. Right. Well, but he, figure out his billing system. With that. Well, that's a good question. But, you know, he's billing. You know, I think the, the, the coach is about is one hundred dollars for half an hour. I think versus the the initial physician session, which is obviously a whole lot more. He's of course in, outside the system. It's concierge medicine, I guess you can call it that. Yeah. But still, it and then it's interesting because he's saying to me he needs to learn about coaching so he can better utilize his coaches. Yeah, I love this guy. Oh my god, I wish every. <laughs> you probably know him. I'm just trying not to say him. <laughs> 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 the neighbor. <laughs> but this, so this is the you know the you know I, I'm a, I'm part of the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, which is this new organization that's that's promoting a lot of these principles. And there's a, a, a the, particularly the integrative physicians are seeing more and more a need for health coaching in that primary care setting. Right, that's a good yeah, example for it. Will I see you in October in San Diego, Joe? Oh, yeah. We will be yeah. there. I'll be there too at the yeah. poster session and just what we're doing today. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we're hoping for a poster as well. But so that's one model for a health coach in the system. But there's also more conventional health coaching in the system, just to cover it so people can know that. I mean, Kaiser hires health coaches. And didn't you do research with, uh, I'm trying to remember the actual research on, on, on was it phone coaching or what, what was the piece that you published in advances that you were doing? Or maybe I'm. Um, I think my colleague Karen Lawson did one, John Livingston, um, yeah. Ruth Rolliver. Yeah. Uh, my own health coaching was a grant from Aetna that looked at health coaching, um, street dwelling adults in San Francisco. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. Right. We still have some clients yeah. who are advocating for knee replacement surgery for themselves at San Francisco general. It kind of got out of hand. Aetna said, Whoa, whoa, stop. Yeah. But I think that they, we have, um, I, I always teach my students. We've got three sectors, you know, you've got the entrepreneur, who says I'm hanging out my own shingle as a health coach and then there's corporate and then there's clinical. There's really three paths that we find health coaches gravitate to. And those with clinical, they need to know other things, the PAM patient activation measures. They really need to know HIPAA compliance. They need to know a lot of things in the medical landscape right. and the ones who go that route, more power to them. They are finding and, and thousands of them are hired with diabetic management and post-bariatric surgery and nurse coaches. And then the ones in corporate world, they're really decently intertwined with wellness programming and employee benefits, but then the ones and disease management firms, but then the ones um, who are just strictly entrepreneur, who don't want to work for any of the others who want to hang out their own shingle and be their own boss. They have to have a lot of gumption in doing their own marketing for themselves. Right, and right. Um, and we see on the coasts, we did one survey and found that health coaches can charge uh, $80 to $140 an hour on the coasts mm -hmm. in the middle of the country, $40 to $60 an hour. Mm -hmm. So there's this kind of unevenness right now to how it's perceived. 
And I think that that might change, but I I like the fact that there's three paths for people. Well, no, I appreciate it. It's nice for you to describe those three paths because I don't think people know that. Often people come into it thinking about that last path. I'm going to do my own thing. Yes. And then discover that it's not so easy. You have to market yourself and marketing. That's a, that's like a half full-time job or another full-time job. It's a couple days a week of your job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there are these other paths. Right. That that. But you have to learn something. You described it really well. If you're going to go into the clinical, there's a few other things you need to do, particularly because you need to be to, to communicate the language of, of the clinic. Yes, indeed. Right. Oh, yeah. Be able to be comfortable in a hospital. If you're going to do the corporate path, you have to speak the language of corporate wellness programs, which is a particular you know, language. Yeah. Particular language. And NDs have knocked on that door for a long time. Chiropractors have a great respect within it now. Licensed acupuncturists that we've seen, you know, turf being dished out. Um, I like this, the language of this new academy that you and I are going to. Mm-hmm. It, for the first time, it feels inclusive. Mm-hmm. When others have made attempts at integration, and you know, and we both know that they have, probably haven't fully considered the health coach yet at the academy. Yeah, We're trying to open that door a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They brought in Reiki practitioners. I mean, bring in the health coach, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you, well, our friend Karen Lawson's part of the academy as well. Just to, so people hear it, it's the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine or AIHM.org is the name of the organization that we're just chatting about. Uh, this conference, it's, it's in San Diego in October, if, uh, you, if for those who want to check that out. And so, so, but I appreciate that, that there is a way in which there is a, a blending and accepting in the medical marketplace for health coaches. There's a lot of opportunity. There's this certification, which, I, which we wouldn't do it if we didn't think it was going to help the profession. Right. Especially help the public and actually start to build an evidence base of research. Well, and that's another piece that you you also bring to it. It's it's not just uh, delivering service; it's also supporting the value of the service with a research agenda of some sort, which is you know that requires time and money as well. And I agree with Karen Lawson that. I like calling it evidence-informed, you know, field instead of evidence-based. We see better too. We get so tired of evidence-based, like we, as if conventional medicine is evidence-based. But I think that saying, yeah, it's evidence-informed, and we can inform ourselves through our own, um, through our own practices, um, and and through great case reports and case studies. It doesn't always have to be the double-blind clinical trial. Yeah. 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 And, and through our gatherings of health coaches. So I, I would invite you to come to National Wellness, to yeah. see the coaches there, to make a proposal, Joel. You would be warmly welcomed. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I shall do that. And we're also welcoming, you know, those some of those who are listening on this call because they would love that too. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love them all there. Well, this is, I think, you know, well, it's. it feels like we've kind of covered a good deal of what we were here, what I was here, what we said we were going to cover. So we do want to kind of open up the mics and see if, uh, or one at a time, see if the folks have questions because I'm, I would guess that there are people on the call who are really kind of just hearing about this national service certification right and uh, you know from my sense of this conversation is is that uh, it's to you certainly bring a, a, an optimism and a and a and a and a, and a, a, a value to this you wouldn't be doing it I mean it, I get your passion and your for this field and seeing of great value and I know that's kind of that's why I'm here 
right? It's like, let's, 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 let's do this, so to speak. So, um, we're going to kind of, kind of close up this particular section of the call of our conversation and actually let people come on. And so we need to do a little bit of instructions for a sec. Good. People okay. can know what to do. So we'll take, we'll take, this will be like, like a 30 second kind of moment here. Uh, we're going to, we're going to switch over our, our technology to Reggie, who's another, who's the host. And Reggie's going to be looking for people to raise their hands. So if you are, if you want to actually ask a question, you're going to need to raise your hand. The way you raise your hand is if on the bottom of your screen, there's a little button that says participants. And if you click on that button, it'll bring up the big list of participants, and then you'll see someone's raised a hand. And so, Reggie, I'm going to let you jump in with your voice and and and, and facilitate. Great. So, Anne, go ahead with your question. Hi. Um, first, I'd like to say thank you, Joel, for um, hosting Meg, and um, also Meg, thank you so much. It's really about time. I'm a nurse, but um, there is a need for well-qualified coaches being out there in the public. Not everybody, one, um, not everybody wants to go to a nurse, um, and sometimes they're much more comfortable if they go to somebody that's on their own educational level. It's not so threatening. So it's about time. Thank you so much. Sweet comment. If I can respond to her a second, Joel, thanks for that. And I've got to hand it to the nurses, uh, three million of them, and I'm one of them, um, who launched and managed to get to the finish line long before the consortium did. There is a nurse coach credential. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. a member of the Holistic Nursing. Oh, perfect. I am too. So I just, I want to, I really want to acknowledge the work that you've done, though. That's, um, it's been a real, um, bug in my britches. It's like every hypnotherapist in the world and everybody under the sun. Oh, I'm going to hold up my coaching, um, single. And it's like, no. Please don't. Please don't. I know. Or at least now we've got a big task ahead of us informing the public, you know, before you go to a health coach, go ahead and check out the credentials and the schooling and go to this website and see if they're an approved program with the consortium. So they, they have a little bit of a way of doing some benchmarking for themselves now. Absolutely. And I've also been a member for a few years of NWI. So very much on, on with you. So thank you so much. I hope to meet you in person soon. That would be lovely. I'm going to close myself off so somebody else can ask Thank a question. Thank so you. Are there questions you want? And someone wants to raise a hand if they have a question. You get to see what it's like. You're not being put on screen so much as you're being voiced in. Uh, we'll see. You know, sometimes you have to leave a space to see if somebody wants to boldly raise a question. I just saw a new study while they're thinking about that, about um, – Disturbed sleep, that was horrible. Disturbed sleep showed it as 72% more likely to be obese. Oh, with disturbed sleep. And so I, I just think about all the different topics you can talk about with your health coach in that kind of destigmatized way that the last caller just talked about, that um, you get to bring up all sorts of things in a, in a confidential, safe, supportive, level playing field conversation. Really helps people. It's interesting that the study that I'm going to bring up, and while we're and see if anybody has a question, is is that it came out? It's a the national study said that poor diet has emerged as the biggest contributor to early death around the world. 
Around the world, wow. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the two things that the two leading things were red meat and sugar sweetened beverages were the, the two things they pointed at. Now, I, I don't want to point that red meat as being bad for you. I think it's partly a lot of volume, but it was uh, implicated in 21% of global deaths. Yeah, well, was this, was that, that's the number one thing. So, we're, we're, you know, that's our greatest export is big food right now. And, and next to that is maybe our sedentary lifestyle of big tech. And uh, so we're putting that together, you know, not moving and eating all the wrong stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. The point that you made before about the evidence informed versus the evidence based, I want to cycle back to because I think it's really interesting. I think that when we talk about coaching and working with our with clients, there's a way in which um, it, it isn't always that you can see the kind of change in such quantitative terms. There's so many other pieces. You know, where people are, are happier, they feel better, they look at life differently. It's amazing how much it's just hard to measure that stuff. So hard to measure it. And it's so it's so beautiful to go hand in hand with a coach that's learning to coach and to hear feedback non-defensively. I mean, if we could just teach that one thing to half the, the doctors out there and all uh, all the experts in healthcare, mm -hmm. how to hear what it's like to be in their presence, um, how, what it's like at the end of a session with them. I mean, in coaching, you learn to say, how was this session for you? What feedback can you give me as your coach? How can I improve? And you learn to listen non-defensively to how to improve. And that is such a humbling thing. I mean, if just introducing that into health professionals of how to have some coaching skills, even if they don't become a full-blown coach, how to adopt the coach approach mindset. Mm -hmm. My gosh, we could revolutionize a lot of medicine that way. Mm -hmm. Once again, really good opportunities. Yeah, it does. Questions? Anyone want to raise a hand and jump a question in? I'll, I have another one lined up, but I'm going to make a space again. I have one. Do you think Donald Trump is a coach? <laughs> I bet he doesn't need one, actually. Um, he doesn't think of himself as needing one. Yeah, he's a narcissist. So this is not really a question, but it is a topic. We, we did not mention, um, hearing a sound change, uh, we did not mention your book. Oh. How to be a health coach, an integrative wellness approach. That, we don't want to leave that out, which is a, a You're giving me a plug, and I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank well, you. it's. A, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, what was your hope with that in writing that? It was uh, fashioned after a full semester, 15-week semester um, graduate level course. And so there's 15 modules in there. And it really does take you step by step through with the methodology, some history, um, some basic practice tools as well. Mm -hmm. I'll probably get another edition out in a year or so that kind of upgrades the information about the consortium. That's going to have to happen. But um, my, I, I, it's been used by, picked up by a lot of schools across the country and in, in the UK and South America now too, where they're saying, I don't know what's going on with our country. We've had health education out there for 40 years, and our people are are more diabetic and more obese and less active than ever before. So we actually have to change the conversation with folks. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, so it's being adopted by a lot of programs, such as nursing programs right now, mm -hmm. who are saying we need to teach some aspect of the coaching dynamic to the nurses. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that makes total sense. I I hadn't thought of it that way because it really is a comprehensive book. It really does cover the whole field. It's a very it's it's a wonderful broad vision of what health coaching is. You you know, you include a lot, and so that makes total sense. That if you know, I mean, you could use it in in a pure coaching training, but also like using it to teach coaching within another field. Another field, which is part of the crisis consortium. Yeah, we have three missions. One is to to integrate coaching skills within the healthcare professions. Another is, you know, to advance health coaches per se, people who want to identify themselves strictly as a health coach. And the third is just to professionalize the field with research, with advances, with standards. And I'd say that, um, you know, you know, chiropractors were some of the first to say, we want to hear more about coaching. Mm-hmm. When we introduced it to naturopaths and acupuncturists and herbalists and everybody else, it was chiropractors who stepped up mm-hmm. and said, Mm-hmm. We want the coaching skills. And that happened at an early National Wellness Institute conference. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what is it in the chiropractic profession that recognized the coaching conversation is vital? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I would imagine that comes from their focus on lifestyle. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, you know, because know. It's, they're not there. That, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. It's good. So the book's being successful. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's I, lumping along. It's yeah. lumping along. Are we ever going to get rich from our books? No. Well, <laughs> you weren't writing it to get rich, I don't no. think. <laughs> no. No, no, we're not going to count how many hours it took. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you need, you need books always need updating too as well. So of course, of course. But it is it really there really isn't anything. I mean you it really does qualify as a textbook. I mean yeah. I, I wouldn't call it a textbook because it's not but it is could be one and it's uh, really does and there really isn't anything out there. You know and I've I, had fun selling it myself on Amazon for like thirty bucks instead I've had Josie Bass look at it and um and another educational publisher and they want and then they sell it for $320 and it doesn't sell and students can afford it. And I said, no, I'll, I'll just keep it at this $30 market, Amazon itself. Right. But I am supposed to, as an academic, hand it over to a true academic publisher. Right. And I've been resisting that, Joel. Yeah. I could use your advice on that. Yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. Well, I like it the way it is and with the Amazon, but I understand that is the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the challenge. So uh, well, I'm going to see if the mic is open. Anybody have a hand, a question they want to ask? Up there's another hand, Reggie. Dina, go ahead. You're you're, you're on. Um, well, thank you everyone for organizing this. Um, I I have a question about who is eligible to sit for the initial exams in the uh, that you're anticipating. Soon. Um, I'm a CTI trained coach and a nurse. Oh, CTI, some of my favorite, some of my absolute favorite training. And you're a nurse, so you got all the health knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to do well. Just rest assured you're going to do well, but there, it'd be nice for you to get to a little um, a coaching clinic practical skills update that Joel, I'm sure, could put on, what we put on at CIS elsewhere. Um, you who is eligible in this transition period, which used to be called grandfathering, but best, best practices tells you, tells you not to use that word anymore, but we still do grandfathering for about a year. Um, anybody who graduated from a transition approved program is eligible to sit for the exam. If you did not graduate from one, then what you want to do is submit a portfolio of here's where I've had my training, here's my credential, 
Yes, I have an RN license and I have had these number of hours as being a coach. And then at that point, we could say, we look at that and say, try three different um, sessions with a mentor coach and get feedback from that. Because if that mentor coach tells you, you still need to upgrade this one aspect of it. You get the feedback from those mentor coaches and you still decide if you want to go ahead for sitting for the exam or if you want to go get a little bit more training. And that's where it sits right now. After that little grandfather window closes, after one year, uh, by 2017, I think it is, um, then you have to have graduated from what's called a full accredited program to sit for the exam. I don't know if there will be a portfolio opportunity then. There usually is, believe it or not, like it, it, to sit for an architectural exam or a national accreditation for homeopaths or something. Sometimes they always allow this thing called the portfolio where you write and say, here's my whole life experience and all my workshops and all my seminars and everything I've always done and how the ways I've worked and here are my letters of reference. And you package something together and you petition to be eligible to sit for an exam. It's a lot of work, but people still do it. I am the voice on this executive board that says, we still need to grant people that. I don't know that we have agreed to it yet. Mm -hmm. okay, that's a long-winded answer. That's still a good answer. Okay, but CTI, one of the best trainings out yeah, CTI is a very, Dina, question, is that the answer a good answer? Or do you have more questions? Is, oh, Dina's been. She, she muted herself. She muted herself. Okay. But just so people know, CTI is, is it Coach Training International? I think that stands for, it's a school in Sausalito. It's one of the main coactive coaching. It's a more, it's not a health coaching school. It's a general coaching school. Exactly. General coaching school. And we would encourage them to submit um, a simple application as well. What they won't have, though, is the healthy lifestyle knowledge part of their coach training. Right. You know, but then you would say, but I'm an RN and I've taken this update in lifestyle medicine. Exactly. You yeah. need about 15 hours of healthy lifestyle knowledge. Very little. Some of us are saying we should make that 30 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it was one of those ones that may grow over time. It may grow. Mm -hmm. It has a habit of doing that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Goalposts get moved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what? It's, well, I don't want to say it. Um, so, other other questions? Anybody else have a cup? There's another hand. Hand, go ahead. There we go. It's me again. Um, so, what are you doing for continuing ed on these, and how often is the continuing ed going to be? Oh, I've got to go to the website to answer that. It's a great specific question. Um, I think our certification disseminating partner, meaning the, the group that actually goes through our test, disseminates it, manages it, audits it, um, I think we are working out that arrangement with them on how often people need and how many continuing ed education credits are needed. I think we did have that in our national standards article, recertification, da da da, we did. And we were looking at um, documenting a minimum of 45 hours of coaching continuing ed and 100 coaching sessions every three years. So that sounds high, 
a hundred coaching sessions, but every three years. Mm -hmm. And a minimum of 45 hours of coaching continuing education. No, that doesn't sound bad at all. Not, not for three years, because that's 33 sessions a year. That's right. And that's because... And that's not really much. Not much, but so many people work... Uh, say like you're working for Kaiser at as a health coach. We found out that a lot of the conversations are not about coaching. They're about, are you keeping your drug appointment? Are you taking your medicine? They're compliance oh. conversations. Others say, yes, I wish I was doing more coaching as a health coach, but I'm doing a lot of health educating too. So we thought, give people more time and accrue these hours at a slower rate because a lot of them have to wear a health educator hat at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Well, okay, thank you. Yeah, and that was a great question, though, because just so that people know, so that's the part of the way it works. When you become certified at, at that level, then you also need to maintain that certification. So it's continuing. Oh, you've got to keep up on the education, because once you get it, doesn't mean you've got it for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Listen, I was one of the first of the nurse practitioners back in Colorado in the late 70s, and I did not keep up my NP. I kept up my RN. I kept up this. I became a medical anthropologist. It was too much. I had two babies. Yeah, you've got to really be dedicated to keep up the recertification. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Anne. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've managed to fill up an hour and you know we said we were going to go for longer but it feels like we've done a you know we've taken up you've been so generous with your time. Yeah, well, great uh, questions, good people. Perhaps that this is probably a good spot to just sort of say thank you Meg for taking the time and for all that you do because it's really uh you know you you certainly are he helping heal the world. You are too, Joel. You always have. Teleosis is an extraordinary institute. You know I've had graduate students who have been your right-hand woman and, and there, and it's just yes. very fond of the work you've done over the years there. And I get to see you in October in San Diego, and I hope others get to go to National Wellness or at least get to the National Consortium website. Exactly. Yeah, so actually, there's a, you know, I'm not going to recite all the letters for all those things. I'll just say those. There's the National Consortium for Credentialing Health and Wellness Coaches. I think if you Google it, you'll get that to come up. And there is the, we talked about the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, which is, is the conference coming up. We've talked about CIS's program and the Integrative Health. I think it's integrative health. Yeah. Integrative health masters, right? In, you know, the masters in integrative health, and the National Wellness Institute has a website, and Teleosis yeah. Institute has a website. Uh, they're all, you know, pretty easy to get, and so there are a bunch of good resources here. And so, I hope that we all stay connected. And uh, I thank you all for joining us. And Meg, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great to join in this conversation. All my best to y'all. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.